Where are you from, Ojas? And I said, uh, I'm from India. He's like, oh, does that mean you speak terrorist? <coughs> what the f***? Hey, it's the Charger Cast. He's Ojas Ravel. Welcome very much. Uh, writer, producer, um, comedian, doctor, <laughs> uh, general man about town. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so very uh, much. Kem Cho. Majama. Majama. Tamek Hemjo. To you as well. That's going to be the extent <laughs> of my, uh, my Gujarati, because um, Majama sounds like pajama, and that's the only yes, way it does. I can remember it. Uh, so look, first question right out the gate. Um, you somehow ended up at the University of South Florida. I did. Which uh, is a little random. Um, so how did that journey happen? So uh, back in 2002, I just finished... Uh, junior, uh, which would be the 11th and the 12th grade here, mm -hmm. uh, which is junior college. Sure. And uh, I was looking for opportunities for university, one, uh, which would be uh, prolific in their, uh, not, not just a faculty, but also would have a med school so that their biomedical department uh, would be very strong and robust. Uh, they would have a lot of research opportunities uh, at the undergraduate level. And I would also uh, look for a place which wouldn't want me to shovel snow. Okay. So, so snow was an immediate like factor for ruling out schools. Yeah, for for me it was. Uh, and uh, the way I got oriented to this whole process was obviously with more than four thousand universities, it was very difficult for me to to figure out you know which one to go to. But uh, USIEF, the United States India Education Foundation, um, in Mumbai helped me a lot and uh, I've been working with them ever since for the past what 14 15 years um, and they helped me narrow down universities I did have some family in Florida okay so there was always that leaning you know like oh, okay maybe Florida gets a priority uh, but yes the climate played a big role uh, and also uh, so I started out at the Florida Institute of Techno Florida Institute of Technology uh, in Melbourne, which is a small little town. Which is not in Australia. It's a small uh, town not Florida. yes, not 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 the Australian uh, city, but Melbourne, Florida, right. um, which is on the eastern coast. And uh, then I transferred to the University of South Florida, and then I graduated uh, from there. But yeah, so it was um, Goebbels through and through. Yeah, you're you're a proud Bowl yeah. alumni now. But w was it always? You know, you said you'd gotten through eleventh and twelfth grade. Yes. Was it always going to be, I'm going to the United States, or had, did you think about India or other countries overseas? I had visited. I had visited the United States in the year 2000. Okay. And I was 15 at that time. Mm. And um, I explored, you know, some universities uh, at that time and uh, really kind of was very interested in going over there. I did not uh, look much into the UK or, or, you know, the other countries. And, and back then, there weren't very many players in the whole study abroad scenario. Yeah. Um, and U.S. continued to be, you know, a premier destination for students who wanted to pursue higher education overseas. And, and still is. It um, most certainly <laughs> is. Most certainly is. Uh, so, okay, so you get on the plane, you got some family in Florida, which is nice, um, but you arrive there. You're there in, you get there in 2002? Yes, so 2003 is when I began. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean... This is right after 9-11, right? Yeah. Uh, fairly recently after yeah. that. Uh, the sort of elephant in the room, did you feel any sort of hostility or, or sort of racial bias or anything? Not really. Okay. I wouldn't say that it was, you know, uh, 
in the face anywhere, I, I, except for a couple of instances where um, alcohol was involved, you know, in, in a late night bar somewhere sure. uh, where somebody must have, you know, said something to me. But other than that, in the 10 years that I was over there, I don't think I ever faced um, any racism. Uh, but, you know, on, on, a, on a lighter note, I say this very often at the pre-departure orientations of USIEF, that racism exists everywhere. Hmm. And, you know, just uh, pigeonholing something, or just saying, okay, you know, there's a lot of racism in the U.S. is not very fair because we have racism in India as well. I mean, we, we do that all, all the time. And we uh, pick, up, pick up any of our uh, matrimonial advertisements that you have in the newspaper and... and yes. And we've, and we've been politically correct ever since. Like, you know, we, it was like, um, okay, so, for example, let's just take um, skin color, for, you know, for that matter. And you'd say, oh, uh, you know, our daughter is, uh, well, wheatish. Wheatish. It's like, what, what, why would you say wheatish? Like, like, so it's, it's like, you know, the preference for fair versus, you know, wheatish and whatnot. Uh, you would have, oh, uh, including fat shaming. It's like, oh, our son, you know, he's uh, healthy. Is, is healthy code? For, is is uh, little, It's little, called for I'm a fat. Bit bigger. Okay, right. Yeah, on. and it's so so political correctness, you know, arrived long, long time ago. Um, but you know, going back to racism, so I uh, had a roommate, you know, at USF, um, Vincent Vincent Del Monte, and uh, so I checked into the room, um, you know, set up my stuff, you know, in in the dorm, um, and he was there as well. He'd moved in earlier uh, in the week. So I met uh, him, and then he was like, oh, where are you from, Ojas? And I said, uh, I'm from India. He's like, oh, does that mean you speak terrorist? <coughs> what the heck? Got, yeah, got yeah. myself there. Literally. Seriously? Yeah, do you speak terrorist is, is what I... W- w- the is, first he trying to be, is he trying to be funny? So, like weird? so had, I, had I completely, you know, gone in shock or, oh my gosh, this is, you know, extremely racist, had I not been uh, practical or, you know, at least cognizant of what he was saying, I don't think, you know, we would have been the BFFs that we are right now. And Vincent and I, and your friends. we are we are God the best of friends. Vincent uh, visited, uh, you know, a couple of times. Uh, yeah. I even dragged him on a panel at the USIEF pre-departure orientation to tell prospective students, uh, specifically because I would mention this anecdote to them yeah. every year. And that one year I had him right there. It was like, oh, exhibit A. <laughs> and so Vincent uh, and I exchanged a lot of humor. You know, and uh, which would a lot of which would I don't think ever see the light of day, uh, you know, political correctness or um, not offending anybody. But I think I think we've, as as a community, as a people, I think we've gotten very touchy feely. We've gotten very um, easy to get offended. Uh, sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, when, whenever people use comedy, there's usually a grain of truth under it somewhere, right? Correct. And so. Someone asks you something, even though they're trying to be funny, like, do you speak terrorist? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You kind of have an opportunity as an Indian to sort of be like a cultural ambassador for your country. Yes. To be like, well, you know, first of all, you know, in India, like, you know, the guys who wear turbans are Sikhs. They're not, you know. Correct. This whole thing, right? Correct. Um, so, that, I mean, that did you have an opportunity to sort of correct some misperceptions? Uh, we did, we did. But, uh, but then again, I must credit Vincent for being very open-minded for trying to be, you know, a global citizen. Sure. You know, a, a very small phrase that you would see, uh, it's the tagline of 
I guess, the marketing department of the Mumbai airport, the international airport. And, and, it, and it goes, Indian at heart, global in spirit. Hmm. And I think Vincent kind of mirrored that. He was, I guess, you know, an American at heart, but global in spirit. Huh. So he's, he was always very open to, to ideas, to sharing and whatnot. And also, a comedian who never performed on stage. <laughs> sure. So. All right. So you're at. Let's let's trans. Actually, let's transport to a terrible airport in Miami. Um, so you're in. Miami's you're in South, fun. <laughs> you're in. You're at the University of South Florida. Yes. You meet Vincent. Vincent asks if you speak terrorist. You you got to be at some point. You're like, where am I? And what like what is happening here? Mm-hmm. No. Like what was the culture shock sort of piece for you? So, uh, one of two things happen when students, I guess. Uh, go to the U.S., or this is what I had observed. Either you get completely obliterated, just so intimidated um, with the culture shock, you know, the classic definition of culture shock, um, that you try to fit in, you try to uh, do everything possible to to merge into that culture. That That is one way. And I think the other one is you appreciate that culture, no, you know, no doubt, but you also fall in love or um, rediscover the culture that you came from or the one that you have distanced yourself from geographically. I think this is a great point. As an American living in India, yeah. I, I find myself appreciating the United States more Do you? Than, yeah. may, than maybe I used to. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to that, right? It's kind yeah. of that you don't know what you had until it's gone. Until it, thing, yes, right? very much, very much uh-huh. so. So I think it, it, it uh, worked both ways for me that, uh, yes, I, I you know, got very keenly involved in literature, in, in a lot of Gujarati literature, uh, in a lot of uh, poetry, uh, you know, theater and so on and so forth. Uh, at the same time, appreciating, you know, the American culture and figuring out the nuances. Uh, sure. And Could you find Dokla in Tampa? Oh, oh most certainly, yes. Really? Yeah. Really? Uh, the Indian community in Tampa is, is great. Huh. You know, not just large in number, but also very diverse. So... Fine. Food, how, food how, wasn't a how problem. How does that work with the with the Indian diaspora? I'm, I'm kind of ignorant on this. Like, can you mention the Indian community in Tampa? Right? Sure. Is there like a Gujarati Tampa community, a Punjabi? Like, yes, there is. Okay. You're you're very right in saying that. Um, so it's called the Gujarati Samaj of Tampa Bay, GSTB. Yeah. And they also have a GSTBY, which is the youth wing, uh, of which I had happened to be the leader. One. You There's know, always a while. youth wing. There's always a youth wing. You know, and w- which is the better one <laughs> and uh, the funner one. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, the community was very helpful. Uh, they would put up a lot of shows. Uh, they would invite a lot of performances uh, from India, be it plays, concerts, um, speakers, so on and so forth. Uh, they would also have periodic celebrations, be it the Diwali festival, hmm. um, be it Holi festival. Uh, but I think one of the things that they were known for in, in the community, uh, you know, we would have people coming in from Orlando. We would have people coming in from New Jersey as well to uh, this this huge celebration uh, called the Tampa, you know, India Fest, huh. which which was uh, hosted on the campus of the University of South Florida in the Sun Dome. Um, cool. And not only would it have 
well, commerce is an angle to, ha- to having these festivals. So you would have a lot of local um, stores, be it you know apparel, uh, food stores, um, jewelry stores, and they would you know put up shop uh, at the festival. We would also have a lot of uh, Bollywood celebrities that would come in. Um, we would have a lot of performances, and then we would also have dance competitions nice. uh, at this this three day India Fest that would happen. I don't know how you have a dry state where dancing is popular because I don't, I, I don't associate oh, these and two things with it. It stands as as an example and to testify for that for you know ages. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what, what what are your parents thinking about all of this? Right, you're in Florida. Are they really yeah. supportive? Are they kind of skeptical? Like who's, <laughs> who's gonna what what version of you is gonna come back to India? To, uh, I think. I don't think they were scared okay. at all, um, but I don't know if uh, you know they had expected me to come back this culturally enriched, hmm. uh, you know, or turning it. I think the, the stint in the U.S., this decade in the U.S., uh, truly, truly made me a global citizen. Is, is a, what I truly believe. Um, but the parents were always supportive. You know, they would. We would be very much in touch. And this is, I, the, you know, I'm sure you remember, is the day and age where there was no WhatsApp. Sure. There were no um, video calling. There was no, uh, you know, the, the day and age of the iPhones. Um, so we would have to buy calling cards. Calling cards. Call, yeah, call, sure, yes. Right? So calling cards, uh, one dollar calling cards, and yeah, and you would have to exhaust the minutes that were that were on there, or they would deplete, you know, over time. Um, and we would speak, and also the the voice delay. So so you would you would wait till it's like hello, yes, Kimcho, Majama, <laughs> and so on and so forth. So uh, so that would happen, uh, I, I, which is also I think why nobody's homesick anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. And I mean, if you can if you can make it work um, with calling cards. Surely, if you have Skype and WhatsApp and FaceTime and, and all the so much easier, the, just so yeah. much easier. But uh, do you ever write letters? Yes, I still do write letters. Do you really? I do write oh, letters. Yes, classy move. I like yeah, letters. I, I like letters too. Um, okay, so South Florida, your parents are there on board, but you're communicating enough. So yes, they would in visit. You. They come visit. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Sort of what starts to surprise you as you you're living in the United States? Like, what's the, did you not expect or um, you know giant roads? I mean, what was the like? What would what caught you off guard? Uh, I think primarily because I was on campus uh, almost you know all my life that was I was over there. Uh, I was on campus, and the sheer difference between the educational system over there and the educational system over here. Hmm. Um, Kind of surprised me. Okay. Positively. Sure. Um, I wrote a piece on it called "The Classroom Chorus," um, and it could be the simplest of things. As a, you would have an open book exam. I did not know there, there could be something like an open book exam. <laughs> I was like, I'm giving it. I have to. You know, there, there's a book that's right there. <laughs> the take home exams. Yeah, take them. Uh, take them. That defeats the purpose. Yeah. Well, and then you would you would think, but then that uh, was it was designed to you know make you think and uh, right. It wasn't so much can you memorize a date. It was can much. you use those dates to sort of conceptualize uh, you know, and put something. your point forward. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Have, yeah. have a point of view. Have a point of view and learn how to defend it. And, and Which could be very well unpopular sure. and and uh, against what was you know uh, 
in, in the classroom or being discussed in the classroom, and that was fine. So that surprised me. It could be uh, something like um, seeing students come to come to the classroom with with an apple or in their PJs, and and we would not see that over here. And, you know, it would be very different. Hey, uh, I remember from when I first went to undergrad and p- seeing people showing up in basically what their what are their pajamas in the morning and thinking, man, where am I? Yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, 8 a.m. and it's a calculus class. Oh, I'm just having, having an apple. Like, How is that allowed? It was like, yeah. Wait, you, could, you couldn't eat an apple in an Indian classroom at university? I don't, no. no. Really? No, no, no. I, uh, that, that, that's a big, uh, it, it also has to do with a lot of um, the, I, I think the setting here is very much also associated with a lot of piety, with a lot of, you know, it's, it's pious. It's, it's a huh. place of where you worship education and you respect the person who's educating you. And, um, you, you know, you would have to be prim and proper uh, in, in a classroom. But yeah, that, that surprised me. But also what um, I really enjoyed was the liberty of following my, my curriculum that was given to me, yes. But also going to swing dance lessons and taekwondo in the evening. Sure. So you're, you're, you're just, I don't think we talked about this yet. You're there studying biomedical, biomedical sciences, sciences, right? Yes. So very... Very sort of classical. I'm gonna, I'm gonna study. Yeah. You know, it's engineering <laughs> or, or you know, medicine or something. Medicine, engineering, law. Right. Pretty so much. You're following this classic path, but at the same time, there's there's an opportunity for you to try some of these other things and and see what sparks. And this kind of leads me to how do you go from, you know, future young doctor to being an actor and a comedian and all this sort. Of, like, what what is that transition? So, still, I mean. Till this date, to to this very date, surgery and psychiatry interest me just as much. Okay, um, they continue to be you know favorites, uh, but at that time, the opportunities for biomedical sciences were scant hmm. in India, um, so I had to look for options elsewhere. Pursuing a career in um, engineering, medicine, which were you know the poster children for Indian communities, uh, be it for, you know, even matrimonial purposes. And it's like, oh, if you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, if you're not an engineer, one, you're going to have a career that's unstable, and hence, you're not going to find a suitable bride. <laughs> right, <laughs> so yeah, that. okay. So, so that, you know, uh, was a concern for a lot of uh, Indian people. In the, exe- for you, though, in, in the extended family, never for me. You're not, you're not never thinking, for me and never for the parents. Oh, and your parents were... Never for the parents. Okay. Uh, Because both of them pursued something different from their parents. Ah. So, you know, they understood uh, why I was doing something different. But yes, I did like uh, very much the biomedical sciences. So I pursued uh, that degree. I got that degree. was, you know, the distinguished student at graduation uh, in in the entire batch. And um, when I came back... Uh, I was continuing. There was always this notion of, you know, coming back to to India and then, um, I think, joining a healthcare stream. Or so there was no point where you were like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna resettle in the United States. No. Okay. No. I think uh, going back to the day I landed in the U.S., I knew I had to to go back and and look for uh, something else. But yes, the the goal morphed, uh, or I think not morphed. I think it evolved. Uh, at one point of time, I wanted to pursue um, pharmacognosy, which is what the is pharmacognosy? pharmacognosy is the science of plant medicine, 
and uh, that is something very relevant to Ayurveda. Huh. And that was something that you know piqued my interest at that time. Uh, over time, you know, I also picked up minors like business administration and so on and so forth. So, healthcare management was, you know, coming to be as this destination, so to say. But when I came back, uh, it so happened that I just got immediately uh, absorbed into into the arts. I started assisting um, a very renowned director, the late Kundan Shah in Mumbai, for film. Uh, for a Hindi film in, in Bollywood. And simultaneously, I also started uh, doing stand-up uh, in India, in, in Gujarati. Uh, and but what is, what, what, so what, uh, something I'm very interested in are like sure. these decision points, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people have in their head, like, oh, it would be neat to do a stand-up comedy bit or go to an open mic or Correct. something. But taking that leap and actually doing it, like what, what was going on with you that you felt, I'm going to do this? Hmm. I think the the thought that let's try this, let's take the initiative, and if it works, if if I'm any good at it, then then I'll continue it, and I'll you know pick it up as something uh, that I do, and then picking up a lot of things you know so in in this manner um, helped me you know diversify the por- portfolio, but. Um, at any given point of time, I, I did know that, let me try this. Let me try stand-up. Let me try film. Let me try theater. Um, and if I'm any good at it, I'll, I'll know immediately. Like, if, if you're a bad comedian, <laughs> if, if, you know, if you're a comedian that who's really not working, you know. Uh, yeah, but so, the, so many of us are afraid of failure, right? Yes. And, that, and that becomes this, yes. like, overriding, motivating factor to be like, there Correct. is no way I'm going to go out there and, like, I, I don't want to fail, hmm. so I won't do it. So how do you overcome the fear of failure? Hmm. I don't think I've ever thought of failure or thought of, uh, I think, paralyzed myself by thinking of it too much. Really? Yeah, I think I always, I, I never let, let it get to a point where it becomes a fear. Okay. I remember I applied for um, the White House internship. What? Yes, and uh, I applied for it once, and I didn't make it to the to the first round um, in my first attempt. But that never bogged me down. It's like okay, maybe I'll apply another time, and um, for maybe a different administration. And I, I reapplied for the second time. I got round to uh, you know the interview round, and I cleared the interview round. Uh, and I think that that's when I think the sorted and they were like okay you didn't make it to you know the final okay. selection uh, but i think that never bogged me down where failure was never a fear yeah failure was always um, okay for example i think it i could relate to that in in stand up terms as well like okay i write the set it's a joke about i don't know this this mug here the the joke doesn't work you know, you're not laughing. Nobody in the in the studio is laughing. I try it again. I try it again. I add more tags to it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. So this joke does not work. Maybe I'll write another joke. But that but that feeling, like yeah. if you talk to stand up comics, yeah. they say when a joke bombs, it's like the absolute worst feeling. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That yet somehow you overcome that. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll share something sure. that's that's very personal. Um, over time, so, so this might sound very 
eerie. This might sound very um, extraterrestrial, but but this is what I've felt over the years, over these eight to nine years of doing um, professional stand-up. There comes a point when you're on stage where I think my conscious body is, you know, getting out and I see myself performing on stage. It's like, oh, okay, you know, there's, there's a separation. It's almost like a sci-fi movie on stage. But uh, the only audience member is me. So, so, so this body comes out and it's this surreal feeling where I see myself performing. And yes, when I bomb, I also see myself shifting gears to maybe a safer set or a set that, you know, it's like, okay, this is a guaranteed hit. Um, and I would, you know, move to that. Uh, not falling prey to the fear of, oh my God, this, this joke didn't work. Oh, there's no laugh. Oh, they're, oh, they're disconnecting. Oh my gosh, oh, people are leaving. <laughs> or, or, you know, uh, and I think that kind of developed uh, a lot of skill, developed a lot of um, awareness that how, how to deal with hecklers. Hmm. how to deal with a rowdy audience, um, how to deal with an audience that just figured that, oh, the food counters have opened or the bar has just opened and in an audience of 250, all you're left with is 12 people. It, <laughs> really? This has happened? This, this has happened. And what do you do? You just keep on keeping on You, keep, you on keep, on keep on going. And, and uh, so we've, we've had all kinds of experiences when performing stand-up. There, there's, uh, just give you a couple of examples. There was this one time where, um, it, it's, it's a ritual, it's a ceremony that a lot of the Hindus follow where uh, the baby's head is, you know, shaved off. Um, I think, I don't, I don't remember when they, they do the, the mundan, it's called the mundan vidhi, where the baby's head is, you know, shaved off. And um, some, some of them, I think, take the hair and, you know, for, for some prayer, uh, to the temples, uh, but that's something that the Hindus have, have followed, uh, and we were invited to perform there. Yeah, they, they were a very uh, adventurous group of people. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and w- when I got the call, I I spoke to the manager. I was like, "We have to perform at the Mundan." She's like, "Yeah, sure, sure. L- you know, let's go." <laughs> take <like>, the gig. <laughs> All right, yeah, take the gig. <laughs> so we go to this this uh, place, and then we're performing. This kid is on stage with the barber and the kid is you know performing his own bit of crying this like oh my god mom what was what, what was going on oh my god and and while i am performing on stage and and this, this is ridiculous simultaneously? simultaneously and i ca- and i i had to you know stop my set and i had to call you know the mom and i was like let either let his bit finish or let my bit finish <laughs> can you please not do this you know together and her, her justification was that, oh, we have the hall only till 11 o'clock, or just we have to let both the shows go on at the same time. So we would have these shows. We would have, this was at, at a wedding where uh, a very popular um, Hindi uh, film actress was performing before us. And she went on stage and she, she had her song and dance routine, um, which was great. And right after that, the comedians never even got a chance to perform and I could just hear the bottles opening yeah. at the back. And I said, oh, this, we're doomed. And the, you know, the, the people who had booked us, they, would, they came in and uh, into the room and they were like, oh, we're just going to, you know, straight to the DJ dance and party. And, and that's all. Well, yeah, you, you guys can, you know, leave. And we said, we haven't even performed. Oh, no, no, we'll give you the payment. You know, don't worry. You can also come and dance with us. <laughs> 
So, so we've, yeah, we've had all kinds of jabs. So no egos anymore. <laughs> hey, at least you got paid, man. Yeah, oh, yes, Uh-oh. we did. So, yeah. uh, Tell me about the first time you ever did uh, an open mic or a stand-up set. Uh, so I think it, the seeds were sown when I was in Mumbai hmm. at my, uh, be, be it a school uh, or the junior college, the 11th and the 12th hmm. grade. Um, we would have these student um, government, like what, what we would have student governments in the United States sure. uh, universities. We'd have the student council or any variant of that name um, over here in Mumbai. And they would put up a festival uh, of the, you know, the science department, the commerce department, so on and so forth. Um, and I would perform there. And the very first time I performed there, I did a bit for five minutes. Okay. And the audience loved it so much that they requested me to come back on stage after you know, a couple of performances. And I said, I don't have that much material. <laughs> what was in your first five minutes? What, so ki- what killed on your first? I, I did, I did uh, uh, you know, some... Um, Bollywood impersonations, okay, and, and then turned it into into a set of all these Bollywood personalities going on on this vacation. Uh, I don't even remember the set anymore, but, but they go on a vacation, and you know, you know how things uh, get chaotic, and that that was a funny bit. But then I think that that was just at the school, college level. Um, but I do remember that my very first audience, my very first gig. Unpaid yeah. was for the Indian students' community at um, the Florida Institute of Technology. Oh my God, you're in the United States. In the United States, I am 17 at that time, or 17, 17 yeah, and uh, I'm performing in god awful silver shoes. And yeah, 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 yeah. Fashion has always been a problem. <laughs> so silver shoes uh, in this basement called uh, the Rat Skeller. It's called the Rat. It was like a dining area uh, in it's in Mel- the Rat. The Rat. Oh, yeah. So let, let's 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 meet at the Rat. Re- rethought yeah. that name. Yeah. 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 Rat Skeller is what oh, you know, it, the okay. abbreviation was for. Um, we met there, and the Indian students community had put up a show, and some friends of mine they were like, "Oh, we're putting you up on stage." And I said, "Oh, I I don't do stand up. You know that, right?" No, no, no. no just do what you do. You know, for us back back in in the dorm. And I was like, okay. And then I, and I started doing it. And then it really, you know, kind of morphed into this. Was it in, in English or were you? So that was a mix. That was a mix because we had an Indian community. So we would have some Gujaratis, maybe some non-Gujaratis. We would have Punjabis. We would have people who were uh, from the north. We would have uh, Hindi-speaking people. We would have a Marathi guy sitting in the audience. And so I had to keep it a mix. Yeah. So Hindi and English. So English. I think was what the show was. But don't, as a as a comedian in India, though, isn't language a problem? I mean, y- you've got Marathi and Hindi and Gujarati, Malayalam, and all the rest of it. Um, how do you sort of pick your your area to focus on? By looking at the audience, okay, or by gauging the audience. And um, if I'm performing in a college in, uh, in Mumbai, so English is mm-hmm. the way to go. If I'm performing for an elderly couple who is celebrating their um, 60th wedding anniversary in Gujarat, then it's going to be purely in Gujarati. Um, is it the same material, though, that you're, 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 no, tr- no, you're, tr- no. you're translating, or are you tailoring it? I, I keep uh, catering it to or custom designing it to whatever yeah. the, uh, the gig is. Um, obviously, we keep writing content, keep collecting content, um, and also evolving content. So a lot of comedians said there's a mother set, and then you start put adding more tags 
sure. it. And then it turns into this beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, so I cater it according to what the audience is like. And um, it's, it, it's, it's good that, you know, uh, there are so many languages. And I happen to speak, you know, five of them, so which is great and uh, helps me a lot. So, so when I shift gears on stage, be it, you know, this accented English or if I talk to you like this yeah. where you know I am sitting in uh, this interview and I have to give it uh, you know the best shot uh, or uh, it could be something like uh, this which is typically uh, when maybe a Marathi person will speak uh, English this is how they will talk and if Gujarati speak English then uh, uh, great it uh, it is it is like that so, so so you know moving uh, shifting gears through all of that and it's I, yeah I will yes <laughs> I was thinking about certain politicians have, who are from your native state and how they well yeah, the, yes is so so when you you look at the upper house and lower house of the Indian Parliament <laughs> you could tell right away like, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, it's almost like a show and tell it's like oh you know guess guess the the region where they hail from. Right on. Uh, I have so many questions for you right after we <laughs> cut this interview. We'll save that for the, for the, the, the director's cut. For the, for the roles reversed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so speaking of unnamed uh, Gujarati politicians, <laughs> um, do you ever find yourself censoring yourself or avoiding political topics or sensitive cultural topics? Not consciously. Okay. I don't uh, have the fear of... Uh, which, you know, a lot of comedians was like, oh, would never say that on stage or, uh, you know, I don't want to get beaten up um, or arrested for, you know, saying whatever. And a lot of comedians have faced trouble if they do a certain um, genre of comedy. Political satire can be beautiful. Political satire, if done very well, can be very tasteful. Um, there was a television show called The Flop Show by Jaspal Bhatti. Uh, if you've never had a chance to look at it, please do. It's, uh, a lot of the episodes are online. Um, I think that was one of the finest uh, political satires we've ever had. Uh, the director whom I assisted, um, Mr. Kundan Shah, the late Mr. Kundan Shah, um, his last film, which I was helping him on, um, was Peace PM Tak, which is the story of a prostitute who becomes a prime minister in four days huh. just by a stroke of luck. And it's a funny, funny film. Uh, and that was pure political satire. I've never done it one. I, I would never do it to get more views, to get more eyeballs, to get more um, uh, mileage in in the race, yeah. if there ever is a race. I, th I think there is a race to, oh, here's my set. I've you know, released two specials on, on the online platforms or so on and so forth. But I was not one, I was never in that race uh, to release something, you know, to release content um, where I had to get ahead a lot, uh, of a lot of the comedians by doing Contro okay. controversial right. stuff. So one was never afraid or was never keen to, to take that route for those reasons. Um, two, I, somehow that never interested me um, to kind of pick, pick on them for, just for the hell of picking on it or just for the heck of you know, uh, doing it. But yes, there, are, there is uh, some political comedy that finds its way into my content or in my sets. And uh, and I'm I'm very okay with that. Yeah. Uh, if presented in a in a nice manner. In fact, I have performed um, 
some of those jokes, I've performed that political comedy in front of said Gujarati politicians. Oh, and no one yes. met you in the parking lot. And, and no one met me in the parking lot. In fact, they met me backstage ah. saying that this is, and, and this is obviously when the cameras weren't rolling sure. and this was in a very um, intimate setting. You know, it was, you know, a luncheon that was organized for foreign guests and, um, you know, taking jabs at them. Uh, when they're sitting there with foreign counterparts, um, with their, you know, cultural attaches and yeah. uh, ambassadors and whatnot. And they, they all had a hearty laugh, so. Good, okay. I mean, I will, we'll probably have to leave it there for now. Mm. But yeah. just, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, wh what's the best way for people to follow you? Like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? So, yeah, uh, um, social media is, is the best way. Ojas Ravel on um, Instagram. Okay. Ravel Ojas on Twitter and Ojas Ravel on Facebook. Okay, the page and the, film and the person. Coming out? Yes, uh, there's a film coming out called uh, titled Miss Masala Dosa, which is yeah, which is uh, slated for I think late summer, and my play, which is Merapia Karaya, uh, which is going to be touring in in the summer, and it's a horror comedy that I think you know a everybody. Would. It, it is a horror comedy. And uh, it's in Gujarati. Okay. So Gujarati plays, uh, very rarely would you find a horror comedy in it. So <laughs> You're breaking new ground in Gujarati horror comedy. Yeah, yeah. So well fun done, to do, man. fun to do. Cool. All right. Thanks again for coming on. We thank you it. so very much. And thank you to the entire team for, uh, for this wonderful initiative, this, this dialogue that we can yeah. have. No, yeah. I enjoyed our conversation. Maybe we can have you on again to, to, to pick up some more stuff on comedy. And I would be that would be cool. a privilege. Thank right. you so very much. All right. Thank That's you. the Charger Cast. He's Ojas Navas. I'm Nick Novak.